You're listening to the HSDNA podcast from the Garden State. Your hosts, Justin Starbird and principal of HS Design, Tor Alden, walk you through each step of the medical product development process. Listen in as they discuss topics like contextual research, human factor testing, and conceptualization, giving you the best practices and real examples of success in the field. And now, here's Justin Starbird and Tor Alden. Welcome back. Uh, my name is Justin Starbird, and today I am on with Bobby Boyer from HS Design in New Jersey. And today, today's a neat topic uh, to talk about, at least for me, because I remember being in these shoes. And that's, uh, you know, working with startups and working with companies that are just, uh, you know, starting to take an initial idea and concept and move it to commercialization. And I have Bobby on today um, to talk more about that. Bobby, welcome. Thanks for uh, joining me today. Thanks, Justin. Glad to be here. Yeah, man. Um, you and I kind of go back a couple of years. There's a, a project that was, you know, kind of a startup. Um, no one had ever had a solution for that you and I got to know each other on for microparticulates. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah. um, you know, we got a little bit of history. So it's always fun to be able to catch up and, and talk shop for a bit. Yeah, yeah, it's great. Uh, so Bobby, tell me a little bit about, um, you know, about you, how you got started at HSD and, and how you, you know, and what your role is right now. Yeah. So, um, I started in product development, uh, almost right out of college. Uh, it was something that I knew I always wanted to do. Um, I was always trying to find solutions to, to problems. So, and I, my mind is always on, on a few different things at the same time. So I, I liked the idea and the challenge of, of working on multiple projects and multiple complex problems at the same time. So I started doing that and uh, worked for product development firms and got to see a lot of startups, you know, a lot of companies coming in saying, I have an idea and I need to make this idea a reality. Um, I also worked with <coughs> some Uh, angel firms in New Jersey and that kind of got me uh, in uh, in a nice area where I could see the investment side of the startups as well as the product development side and it actually gave me visibility to HS design Mm -hmm. and uh, I ended up seeing Tor at a conference and said this is perfect Um, you know he works with with these startups it's product development and you know I, I want it so uh, we talked and I joined the team shortly thereafter. And uh, yeah, from that point on, I started just, you know, developing how we work with startups. And um, I actually also mentor uh, for a course at Rutgers for mm-hmm. uh, technology entrepreneurship. So try to mentor these ideas from, from Rutgers to make them into viable companies that have commercialized products. Right. Uh, well, that's exciting. I didn't, I didn't realize you were doing that. And uh, that's a fantastic way to, to give back and kind of invest in, you know, the next generation. No, it, it is. And it's, it's also great because I get to showcase some of our capabilities at HSD and kind of, you know, fold that into the mix so that these startups have, have a base to go off of. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's just great all around. 
Yeah, well, you know, you mentioned a couple of things that you, you know, have a, um, a little bit of uh, experience and expertise on, uh, and then you come to HSD, and HSD is really a product development firm, but I feel like product development, you know, can potentially mean a bunch of different things to, you know, you get a different uh, definition of that, depending on who you're talking to. So, you know, tell me, you know, what does that mean to you when you say HSD is a product development firm? So for product development firm, we have kind of, you know, you'll hear this answer from me a lot. It, it really depends on um, the companies that come in. But for uh, startup specifically, it means that we are taking their idea and their prototype and really trying to develop it into a viable product. Um, so to make sure that you know, a lot of times these startups come out of labs or they come out of universities or it's just a tinkerer that's in, in his garage trying to put together something. Mm -hmm. And when they come in, they don't really know what the development cycle is or how they can bring it out. They just say, I have this prototype, it works, what's next? Sure. So we, we really try to work with them to say, this is, this is the path to develop your product you know, up until you can manufacture it and, and get it out the door. Um, we also have a little bit of a venture side to this as well. And we really try to work with these startups. It's, it's a marriage, really. It's, you know, we're trying to make sure that they are successful so that we are successful at the same time. So yeah. whatever we can do to help them, you know, in that way is, is what we try to do. Right. No, I, that makes a lot of sense. And, you know, so at what stage are you engaging with startups or, or maybe the better question could be at what point do, should startups um, start looking to engage with a product development firm like yours? So my answer again, it depends. Um, <laughs> we've had a lot of uh, startups come in that just have an idea and they don't know where to go beyond that. Um, mm -hmm. So we'll come in and we'll, take their idea and see if there's any, you know, patent searches or, or anything to make sure that their idea is at least uh, secured. And then we work with them to see if there's other variations of that idea um, that can work. So we'll do some concept devel development for that and, and go about it that way. Other startups can come in and they already have a product. <clears throat> they already have something that they've tested and they know uh, works, but it's not manufacturable or um, they know how it works, but the other people wouldn't know how to work. So other, you know, users would, would take a look at this and say, I don't know, I twist a knob, I do this, I do that, I, I don't get it. Mm -hmm. So <clears throat> that's where we would take that product and, and do, you know, user studies and, and we call them formative studies and we would bring it in front of these users and see, you know, what's, what can we improve on this device and how do we make it manufacturable? And so sure. we'll take that and, and bring it to the end. And then the, the other last part that we get a lot of are um, companies and startups that have a first generation that is about to hit the market, but they're not completely happy with it. So they need to do a redesign of it and, and really make it pop. Um, right. So we work with them to to try to you know get that marketing part of it there as well. So if you have a company that comes in and they're like, man, I just don't like the way this is. You know, we think that we're still on something. 
is it is it typically a mistake that they made early on, or is it maybe they didn't have the expertise? What kind of what kind of things you run into when they come to you at that stage? So it, it's not necessarily a mistake or or something. It's typically, especially with these types of um, of startups, it's an inventor that just they are the expert in understanding how the technology works, but they haven't put their their product in another person's shoes so they don't know if the other person can work the device as well as they can <clears throat> so that's uh, where we kind of try to to help them out it's it's not that they're doing something wrong it's just that they haven't looked at you know the big picture the the customers what are the customers really looking for so what uh, what kind of things are you looking for or what kind of questions do you you know do you ask when somebody comes to you so when when we get startups the the first thing we want to know is you know do they do they have a, a a patent or do they have you know something that is concrete for their idea mm -hmm. A lot of times, if it's a napkin sketch, it just becomes a little bit more difficult to navigate the, you know, the the pathway for patents. Um, the next thing we look for is just the personality, the the person that we're working with. Are they the type of person that will want to, you know, modify their their design based on what users are telling them, or are they the type of person that will say? No, this is the the best thing since sliced bread. There's no changing it. This is the way it has to be. Mm. Um, so we want somebody that you know that is a little bit malleable, but that also believes in their technology as well. Um, that's the the third part is someone that knows, and it's a delicate balance, but they know what their technology needs to do, and they're not going to. Um, just shift because one user says something so right it's a device and they don't have bluetooth or it's on an iphone and they want it on android it's let's get this mvp first and then mm -hmm. and then we can add on to it if they start shifting and saying yes okay they said bluetooth i'm gonna add that i'm gonna take this i'm gonna add that it just makes it for more complicated process well that's true like in any of the startup stages right like you, you start to get market feedback no matter what the business sector is and and then all of a sudden it becomes almost overwhelming with the features or benefits that you're that you try to add in to appease everybody i feel like that's a that's a pretty common um mistake no matter what industry you know right in, right exactly exactly and it's it's you know, making sure that that person understands what their core technology is and what their their end goal is for for their product, making sure they don't shift too far away from that. Yeah. So, what are some of the you know more common mistakes you know that that you see on on that side of it where we're talking you know about product development here? Yeah, I mean that's a that's a good question. So, what we typically see is a little bit of um, an inventor slash God complex that tends to happen where they don't do any of the market research. They, they don't really understand the IP landscape. Um, they, they don't know too much about the, the FDA regulatory um, you know, pathways. So they don't do anything with that. Mm -hmm. They don't think about getting 
you know, users involved to see their device because they're so worried that if, if they bring it out, then someone is going to see it and then they're going to create the device and go to market and beat them out. Mm -hmm. um, and then it's also just sometimes they just underestimate the actual timeline and the cost um, of bringing a product to, to realization. You know, it's always let's make it quick, fast, and, and the best thing possible. But, you know, it, it becomes difficult uh, when there are little bumps in the road um, and they don't really account for that. Right. Yeah, no, that's, that's true. Like, you know, you, you got to be able to adjust on the fly as well exactly. as, you know, stay true to your, your, your North, right? Like you got to make sure that uh, you're doing both. Um, otherwise, uh, otherwise you, you won't be a startup for long. You'll be a, it, exactly. So, um, <clears throat> you know, you guys have a unique area of expertise though, because a lot of the products that you, you work on, you know, do make it to commercialization. They do make it, uh, to market and, and are used in the medical industry. What's the most common development path for startups um, that you engage with to follow to ensure uh, that they make it to the end? So the first thing we would say is, you know, the, the beginning stage is getting your idea um, put together and getting, especially for medical devices, getting some IP around that idea. Um, IP in, in the medical device world is, is very important. Um, especially when the competitors to these startups are multi-billion dollar companies that, mm -hmm. you know, are, are ready to snatch up, uh, you know, whatever comes out. Um, the next part is really diving into the, their value proposition and, and getting some voice of the customer. So once they have that idea, it's, let me get some voice of the customer. Um, we'll do something called contextual inquiry to understand the, the entire space uh, that they're trying to put the device in to understand if the device works in their workflows or if it's something that we need to modify their workflows to make it you know, easier, better, faster. Mm -hmm. um, then it, it gets into the regulatory landscape. So we will always say, you know, engage the the regulatory aspect early so that you can understand you know what classification is your device you know what risk management plans do you need to take into account are there certifications that you need you know all that those uh, different aspects um, and then it gets into a little bit of concept development it gets into creating a, a first i would call it a, a almost like an MVP prototype. Mm -hmm. And that's where you take that and bring it to users and, and showcase it and say, this is what we want. Then it's that, you know, pivot and, and kind of keep moving forward. So if they don't like something, modify it, get a next round with users, you know, and keep going out that way. Right. And then once we have something that's refined, then we get into the, the actual engineering and the, the documentation and the testing of the device. And then after that uh, comes the, the manufacturing support. And at the very end, uh, we have something called the summative study, which is essentially taking the device in its final form embodiment and putting it in the hands of end users. And they, we make sure that they use it properly. 
and right. that no risks or or that uh, that the device uh, doesn't cause any any other issues um, that we didn't foresee. You're listening to the HS DNA podcast. My name is Justin Starbird, and today we're talking with Bobby Boyer of HS Design. And so, one, you know, you go through, you know, a whole host of, of steps. You know, some are obviously, um, uh, you know, take a whole lot less time than others. Uh, one thing that we didn't talk about there, though, is is something that's seemingly the most intimidating factor of all, and that's especially for for folks that are, you know, thinking about or attempting to create a solution in a medical device space that needs to have, you know, potentially FDA clearance in some capacity. So, you know, that's always, I feel like, uh, an elephant in the room that nobody necessarily likes to talk about or wants to talk about, but it's not always as as tough as it as it sounds. Right. That's... It's the one word that everyone is always scared of when they hear FDA. Um, they they start off thinking, oh, okay, first of all, the FDA is going to take tens of millions of dollars and it's going to take all of this and they want to know my business structure. They want to know, you know, how much revenue I'm making and making sure that I'm doing. And at the end of the day, all the FDA is there for really is to make sure that the device you're creating um, is de-risked. Mm-hmm. What I mean by that is that you've looked at every possible way that this device can be used and make sure that it's not going to cause harm to the end user. The, the FDA really wants to work with these medical startups to bring out these new inventions, but they also want to make sure that what you're bringing out isn't causing more problems than it's worth. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that's why engaging the FDA early on is is a, a big part of it. And it again, it all depends on what the the device actually is. So if you're looking into you know combination devices with drugs and all that, yeah, that that is a process that's going to be longer. You have clinical trials. You have to go through the you know that entire pathway, and that could be a lot more. Um, but if you're looking at a medical device or a, a tool let's say a, a scalpel or something to that effect, the pathway is a lot faster right. um, and it's a lot less um, daunting. Mm-hmm. Uh, and how do you guys help uh, alleviate that, you know, that, those, that anxiety or fears that the, you know, the startups uh, will have. And sometimes, you know, they've, they've never gone through that before. How do you shepherd them through that? Yeah, so what we like to do, um, and this depends on, on the different, um, different companies that come through, um, but what we like to do is, one is create a robust uh, path. Uh, we call it a, a DHF, which is uh, a document histories um, of, of the process and having you know, all the risk medications taken into account having all the, the requirements taken into account, having all the, the testing and having that package uh, mm-hmm. ready for them to use for the FDA. Um, specifically with startups, and especially if it's a smaller one, what we've done is actually gone with them to the FDA uh, when they had um, their meetings, their initial meetings, and answer questions that needed to be answered about the actual materials of the device and and the mechanicals and and any of that so we really wanted to be there with them to so that they wouldn't be blindsided by a question um, or say something that they 
didn't need to say. Mm -hmm. So we've, we've done that as well. Right. Well, and you guys have a great, you know, HSC and, and you specifically have, you know, real good track record of walking folks through those things. So, you know, what are some of the other misconceptions that uh, young developers or startups have? You know, I don't want to miss, uh, you know, misidentify all startups as young, right? So, right. but if you're a startup, then you're, you're certainly young at heart. So, uh, you know, you're willing to, you know, take on additional risk, but you know, you try to limit that as best you can. So what are some misconceptions right. that they may have? So again, uh, it depends on the company uh, that comes in. Um, but for the, specifically for the uh, early stage ones and the ones that come out of, of the labs is, you know, at the end of the day, a startup is a business. Mm-hmm. It's uh, Can you say that again? Because not everybody realizes that. All right. right. <laughs> well, that, and that's true. So, yeah, a startup is a business. Um, and one other thing is a product is not equal to a business. Mm-hmm. So saying you have a medical device doesn't mean that now you have a fully functional business. Um, you know, do you have the do you have staff there who's selling this, who's marketing it, who's, you know, in charge of the the day-to-day operations. And that's what we see a lot of with these startups is they're, they're more inventors and they're keen to working on the technology and they kind of, they don't really think about the business side of things. And I, you know, we, we keep trying to, push this well not really push but we try to guide them and let them know that for this startup to be successful they need to think about things like their market strategy who is their competition you know what milestones do they need to to achieve what's their business model um, and then what's what's their forecast um, how many units do they want to sell when you know who's their team and and that's what we see as, as the biggest uh, misconception is their business is the product rather mm-hmm. than the other way around. Yeah. And uh, they don't, they don't realize that that's, you know, you build the business around the product, right? And exactly. That, yeah. So, um, you know, when, when you're engaging with folks or, or about to, um, you know, what differentiates uh, HS design and your expertise from, you know, others in the space that, that maybe are being considered for, uh, you know, being considered as a, as a design firm? Yeah. So it's, it's very, I think what we do is, we try to communicate and engage the the customer as much as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, we like to stay engaged. As I mentioned before, it's we want the company to be successful and it's not successful in any part if there's no communication. Um, so we want to make sure if there's any, you know, hiccups that happen that the, the customer's involved and understands what needs to happen and as we're we're testing and we're building this we just want to reassure the the startups that you know this is this is the right path or this might not be the right path and 
and that they should look at this uh, avenue with the FDA or another avenue for investors. And we're really trying to, to help them and guide them through the process. Mm-hmm. What we've seen from other companies is their focus is on one aspect or just the, the specifics of what they're tasked to do. So if they're tasked with doing the industrial design, they'll do that. And sure, they'll, they'll probably do a great job, but then the customer doesn't know what's going on in that process or they, they don't know that you know, they didn't need to get into the industrial design at that point in time. They needed to work more on their pitch deck to try to you know, drum up some more funding. And so now they have you know, this great design, but they don't know, they don't have funding anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, so we try to to walk them through and walk these startups through the the process and saying sometimes we'll say you know what I know it's in the proposal but we should um, probably put that at another stage uh, because we need to focus on this aspect so that you can be able to get your investors happy or that you can pitch it to these VC groups um, so we we keep in line with the the customers milestones as well. Yeah, no, and I, I got to imagine there's a, a quite a bit of vetting that goes on both ways, because if you're going to get into an engagement like this, you're going to like who you're working with, too, no? Right, exactly, exactly. We, it's, it's one of those where, you know, communication, again, is key. And if, uh, if we're not, uh, if the client's not happy with us or we're not happy with them, it's, it doesn't make life uh, any easier. So. <laughs> You, de- you defeat the whole purpose of having a good time in this, right? So Exactly, exactly. Well, good deal, Bobby. Is there anything else that we want to, to cover today? Um, no, I think that's, uh, that's mostly just, uh, you know, what, what we do here with startups. And, you know, it's, it's been a great interview. And thanks so much, Justin. Yeah, no problem. How can, uh, how can people find you, uh, HST, and, and how can startups come, come look for you? So uh, for us, we have our website always uh, hs-design.com um, for startups themselves. If they want to reach out to uh, myself or, or tour to, you know, have a, a pitch and to go through their, their model and their prototypes and whatever they have. Uh, my email is Bobby B O B B Y at hs-design.com or it is uh, tour T O R at hs-design.com. Great. Well, thank you for joining me today. Thanks for adding insight to how HS Design works with startups and how, you know, what startups should look for in terms of avoiding mistakes, uh, ways to get to commercialization and, and eventually get to market. So, Bobby Boyer, thank you for joining me today. All right. Well, thank you so much for having me. This has been the latest episode of the HS DNA podcast. On behalf of hosts, Tor Alden and Justin Starbird, thank you for listening. As always, to listen to other episodes of HS DNA, go to hs-design.com and scroll over to the HS DNA tab on our menu. Until next time, thank you for listening. <laughs>